the world feel a little bit chaotic these days? Have you wondered how in the world am I supposed to raise children in these crazy times? I completely get it, Mama, and so does my friend Jennifer. And today, have no fear, we're going to be digging deep into this topic. So welcome, friend. My name is Samantha Siemens, and I am the host of the Abundant Woman Collective virtual event. And this is my friend Jennifer, and she's going to inspire, um, courage, and give us practical steps for staying present in these crazy times. Jennifer is the author of Mothering by the Book and the founder of The Peaceful Press. Jennifer is on a mission to help moms overcome fear and love their life. And her homeschool curriculum empowers this through heroic stories, heartwarming poetry, and engaging life skills development. Her resources help create joyful memories among families, which leads to deeper connections and lasting relationships. Isn't that what we all want? <laughs> and Jennifer lives in the mountains with her beloved family, where she enjoys reading aloud, working in her garden, and watching the sunset. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Samantha. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. It was really fun to meet you a couple of months ago and to get to talk to you virtually here. I know. I feel like it's cheating because we met in person and then I'm like halfway through your book. <laughs> so I'm like, shoot me and Jen are BSFs. <laughs> okay. So we're going to be talking um, about like what we just said, but raising kids in these turbulent times. And so we're just going to jump right in if you don't mind. And is there a part of your story that you have created this topic from? Like, have you been dealing with this yourself? For sure. Well, you know, I wrote the book Mothering by the Book, and it's all about overcoming fear so you can have more joy. Because I feel like my fears for my children as a young mom really stole so much joy from our home and so much peace. And so I went through all this work to overcome fear, and it was good work. And the tips in that book are invaluable. But I yeah. started having new fears after the pandemic. Like it just seemed like new things were popping up and things seemed more serious. And I started dealing with quite a bit of fear. But during that time, I read a book about how the saints of old lived through also very perilous times. You can think about St. Benedict during the Dark Ages or Edith Schaefer right after World War II or Corey Ten Boom right during the war and how some of the practices that they had as family, the habits, so to speak, as people or as families really anchored them and helped them to stay on that narrow path and stay peaceful, even though the world was chaotic. And so that's been a real passionate topic for me is just how can we as families, even if the world's going to hell in a handbasket, how can we as families cultivate more peace and intentionality and even comfort inside of our homes? Yeah, which let's be honest, it is. <laughs> So it's one thing to like turn off the news and turn off social media and not make your kids aware of it, but you can still like harbor fear and you could still be worried about it while being with your kids. So that doesn't really work either. Right. And so what are, I love history and I love that we can learn from history. So that's super fun. But like, I, I often remember that like, okay, it's not World War II. Life is crazy. Things are different, but like, at least it's not this time, or at least it's not this time. And those mothers had way less access to the things we have and they, you know, survived. And they, <laughs> so let's dig into practical steps. How do we do that? Cause it feels beyond. 
Yeah. And I would almost look at it as like nine different principles or maybe nine different habits that families can engage in. And and the way I look at it is there was a man named St. Benedict who lived during the dark ages and he developed all these monasteries around what he called a rule. So the rule was almost like his way of saying my vision as a family or the way the Benedictines are going to do life. And I think that often as families, we don't really think about, hey, what is our rule as a family? What is our way of doing life? And so then we let our kids just get sucked into a worldly way of doing life because we don't have any way of doing life ourselves. Like we don't, we haven't thought it through. And I, I think that, you know, if you see the way culture is going and it seems kind of destructive, it's not like we are partly to blame for that. Like we just haven't had like a culture of, of healthy families in a way or culture of peaceful homes. And so we can though, we can regain that. So some of the, uh, the things that I talk about in my talks on this, in I have a book coming out next summer on this. Oh, some okay. of them are some simple things like order. Order is one concept where like, do I pay attention to and listen to the words of scripture and try to live my life by scripture? Do I have an orderly home, like where we both kind of have some routines and rhythms, like, or is it just a free for all every day and nobody has any kind of direction? You know, so is there some principles of order in our home? Um, do we have principles of stewardship in our home? One of the ladies that I studied as I was reading this book or writing this book, her name was Mary McLeod Bethune. And she grew up, she was a slave actually, or her, her parents were slaves. She was born into a family but she was the first child born after emancipation. So she was never a slave, thank God. But, and she had so little, I mean, they were, they were trying to, you know, plow their fields with their human power. They didn't, they didn't even have horses. So it's just a really intense life, even though they were no longer slaves, they were still very poor, but she was a very good steward of every opportunity she had. And so in, in reading about her, I apply that to families. Like, are we stewards of the little opportunities? And then another thing I talk about in this whole concept, another habit is just the habit of hospitality, like creating a home life. And so many of us as Christians are doing this. We are creating a home life where scripture is elevated or where we learn to be kind to one another or where we have family meals, like family meals in themselves are world changing, totally world changing. Like children who sit at the table for a family dinner are less likely to be drug addicts less likely to deal with obesity, so many things that just having family meals together can accomplish. And, you know, reading about or talking about this principle of community and hospitality, when you start to have a habit of, say, eating dinner together, then the next step is inviting your neighbors to have dinner with you. And so pretty soon, not only are you creating a home life that is an island of civility or a place of peace, like a domestic monastery, you're also welcoming outsiders in because there's an epidemic of loneliness. Like so many of the societal ills in some ways are just lonely, disconnected, broken people trying to figure things out. But when we as believers who have the light of Christ start opening our homes and inviting people to share our meals with us. How transforming is that? So in this concept, there are so many different habits, order, uh, rhythm, community, hospitality, prayer, work, so many just kind of basic things that 
we maybe are already doing, but I think looking at the way they're actually very transformative, not just our families, but to culture at large, I think is, is so hopeful. It gives us so much hope that what we are doing matters. We're not just spinning our wheels or spitting into the wind, so to speak, but what we do as families, as we, you know, train up our children, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as we continue praying, even when the world feels dark or continue working to make a home. That's a beautiful place. Even when it seems like nobody else cares about anything, these little things we do are really transformative to culture. Yeah. Because if people, it's almost like we have the answer, (laughs) which would be Jesus. But if people are suffering from isolation, which leads to depression, anxiety, all of these things, and we are raising children who Yes. have Like, I feel like you have to have order in the home to invite people to your house for dinner, right? I'm sure some of us listeners are like, inviting people to over to dinner. Like, no, because my house is crazy. Well, then you start with order, but that we could create children who are hospitable, who bring the homeless man water, who invite the new person that they just met to dinner. Like, as they get older, they learn those traits and then they are those people that then change the world. So right. I love those because at first I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so hard topics, but these are, I mean, not simple, but simple there. You can activate these today. It's true. And I think part of the problem and why we haven't been activating them is we just don't have any vision. That's why partly, you know, one of the VIP freebie is this peaceful life planner, because I think as families, we think, oh my gosh, everybody takes their kids to Disney for vacation. So I must take my kids to Disney. Everybody plays sports all the time. So I must play sports. Everybody puts their kids in the regular high school so they can go to prom. So I must do that. And we've just kind of gone with the flow instead of thinking about what do we want to do? What does it look like to be a biblical family? Or what does it look like to be a simple family and have these values or these values? Like instead of just going with the flow, I think we need to evaluate what is important to us. And and through the the book, and actually I have a podcast on this subject as well, we're talking about practical ways that we can evaluate how we live. Like if we want more order in our homes, what is one way that we do have order now? Like, oh, yes, I exercise every day, or yes, I make my bed, or yes, we do have breakfast every day. And then what is like a small doable change? Because I think sometimes people do get overwhelmed because they think, oh, I've got to revamp my whole life and pray all day and have people over every night. And it's not this total revamp. All change just starts with 1% improvement. It just starts with a little bit. But I think, you know, part of the point of this is that our children, our own children are suffering. Our own children are part of the the issues in culture at large. And so just getting a little bit more order into our lives can really help our own children feel more peace and feel more calm and feel more of the presence of God so that they can have a part in restoring culture instead of being part of the destruction of culture. And really, honestly, if you haven't read Mothering by the Book, I feel like a lot of this is not going to be that useful because in Mothering by the Book, I talk about overcoming fear. And a lot of those principles are almost like basic becoming a human principles because so many of us as mothers give ourselves license to sin, really. Like we we feel unloved and so then we act really mean and like a victim or we accuse people of things. But if we instead went through that book and took the time to grieve what's happened to us, to forgive those who have trespassed against us, 
to believe truth instead of lies. If we did that little process, then we'd be ready to change the world. We'd be, because when we get some of the inner stuff fixed on ourselves, then we kind of have the energy or perspective or unity with God, really, because what this is about is about beginning to live like God, like God, you know what I mean? Beginning to live in a way that honors God, beginning to live in a way that is holistic and that is led by his Holy Spirit, led by his word. But I think sometimes we have to do some of that inner healing first, because we, when we are focused on the ways that we've been wronged in life, when we identify as a victim, it's really hard to have any purpose, to have any lasting energy for change. And so I think, you know, as much as I love what I'm talking about, like we can make a difference in the world. I mean, Edith Schaefer in Europe, post-war Europe, made a difference in the world just by cooking meals and hosting students. You know, Elizabeth Elliot made a difference in the world just by being faithful, even after her husband was killed, being faithful to the gospel. Um, Mary McLeod Bethune made a huge difference in the world just by stewarding the little gifts and keep, you know, just loving the people who are right in front of her. So this isn't really this big dramatic thing. It's really just, what is God calling you to do? Just do it with love. But I think sometimes we have to get some of that inner stuff, the forgiveness, the identifying as a victim instead of identifying as the beloved of God, as the redeemed. When we get that inner stuff taken care of, then it's easier to have an outward view that's more hopeful. Yeah. Okay. So that is step numero uno then. We'll just call it that for this conversation, for the purpose of our talk, that is step number one, right? Like sit with God, find out, figure out, you probably know as we're having this conversation, honestly, as Jennifer's talking, the Holy Spirit is so kind and has probably brought something to your mind that needs healing, right? And so it's not as easy as this, but start with sitting with God and seeing what had, like Jennifer said, has trespassed you against you, has harmed you that you're carrying into this season of your life. I think that's incredible to start with. And then I love your, when you said, um, the family vision or family rules and like Siemens families don't do X, Y, Z. I wish we could exchange my last name, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> like Siemens children and I call my kids redheads. So like redheads, we don't punch our neighbors. I don't know, like fit rules. We don't go to Disney every year, like whatever that works for you. Or we do like a family rule we have is love God, love people. And it's cliche, but it's something that I can bring my kids back to. Like, does that behavior love God and love people? Does, does you yelling at your sister, like really show that you love her? No. So like Siemens family loves God, loves people. Right. So I love that. Create that tangible vision rules for your family. And if you are like, eh, rules, we're going to add that to the healing department <laughs> because structure and rules are healthy for our families. And so I love, I love both of those starting there. And then I feel like once you do those, it sort of makes the others, like you said, easier where you are. Like I want, I do want to point that out because I feel like that's a misconception with our community. And as mothers, we sometimes either look to the past and need healing, or we look to other women like, well, I'm not doing this. I didn't write a book like Jennifer. I don't have a podcast like Sam. So this doesn't apply for me. 
that's what we're actually saying is right now, wherever God has placed you, whether it's single, married, widowed in a corporate world, homeschooling, like whatever season God has a purpose and a calling for your life. And so you can apply these tips right here for where you are. Not 100%. And, you know, you look at some of the lives of these people, like a lot of them, their earlier lives were lived in somewhat obscurity. Even Jesus, you know, the first 30 years of his life, he was just um, working for, you know, in the family business, maybe studying scripture, like there was a lot of obscurity. And then when he did start ministry, he poured himself into a few people. It's not like he was online and had this huge platform or something. The, The fame of Jesus grew partly after his death because he'd poured himself into a few people. And so I think for the mom listening, who's like, you know, I don't have anything to say, or nobody really, you know, I I'm trying to cultivate a more godly home, or I'm trying to cultivate Christian virtue in our home. And nobody even sees what I'm doing. I'm sure there's somebody like there's a neighbor, there's a family member, somebody's going to be encouraged by the work that you're doing. And so you know, I think it's just loving who's in front of you, like who's in front of you. And, you know, you think about Corey Ten Boom, like, I don't think Corey Ten Boom thought much of what she was doing. Do you know what I mean? It's like her family, they did have a rule. They had a family culture or a family rhythm. Every day they read scripture together. They fed the poor. There were things that the Ten Boom family did that were very distinct to them. And I'm sure in the moment they didn't think much of it, but when push came to shove, the habits were in place that enabled them to save Jews, to become, you know, world famous people, world famous Christians. Sabina Wormbrand's another person who I write about in the book that'll come out next year. She was, um, you know, she was a Jewish woman who survived the Nazis, became a believer, and her, she was in prison for a few years by the communists. Her husband was in prison for, I think, 20 years. And all the time, I'm sure she was just like putting one foot in front of the other, like so many of us are doing, but staying faithful to her Lord in the midst of it. And their ministry, Voice of the Martyrs, is still helping Christians in persecuted countries today. So I I think as women, it's just putting one foot in front of the other and being faithful. You know, I love Psalm 37. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and he'll, he'll bring it to pass. He will, you know, his righteousness will be found in our lives. And so I think, you know, it's the faithfulness. I love um, Isaiah 58, 11 says the Lord will guide you continually. You'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water. And so I think just being faithful to, you know, just start reading the Bible every day, something, just start singing a song every day with your children something basic, just start having one meal. Even if you can't do every day, have one meal a week around the table, just start these little connection points with your family, with yourself and with God and watch the transformation that happens from that. Yeah. Yeah. Which we can all do. Absolutely. I, Jennifer, want to know, we started off talking a little bit about like the world's crazy. And so what are your best tips for us moms who are maybe like, <laughs> how am I raising kids in this? How do we, you know, how do we separate the outside world from our inside home internally, like with us? Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it is staying offline. Like I am, I'm not always doing the best at this. It's like, sometimes I think as moms we're worried about what's happening in the world 
And so we're like checking online, checking the news to try and figure out, you know, did the sky fall yet? Has the war started yet? Do you know what I mean? We're like, what's going on? But I think that in general, you know, in my, in my home, in the little town I lived in, we've had some really big things happen because of news of the world in the last couple of years have affected our family in some ways, but also a lot of things are fine. Like I do still have enough money to buy groceries, even though they've doubled, you know what I mean? I still have a home to live in. I still, my, you know, my children are healthy. There's so many things that are normal and fine for us. And I think probably for many people watching, like some of the things that are happening in the world may have affected you, but a lot of it is just what we're reading about. You know, a lot of it is, is not affecting us. Unfortunately, it is affecting other people. And I, and I, and I'm praying for those people, but for many of us, it's not directly affecting us. And so I think to some degree, we have to be a little bit innocent. Like the Bible says, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And it also says, I would have you be innocent concerning evil and wise concerning what is good. And so I think that, you know, don't read the news every day, maybe subscribe to something like the pour over that gives you kind of an overview or maybe check it once a week, but don't be overly aware of what's happening in the world around you. Be aware of what's happening with your kids. Be aware of what they're watching, what they're doing, paint together, do crafts together, you know, set up a little habit tracker for yourself where every day you, you know, read the Bible and you pray and maybe you do some crafting or some gardening or something that is a little more innocent than being online. Cause even if you're just, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, you're still going to get the bad news and still find out what's happening. So try to keep your lives a little simpler and just love the people who are in, in connection with you. And then if you're concerned, if, the, if there's a, something that's really laid on your heart, like you're really broken for the people who are, you know, crossing the border or the refugees or whatever, find an organization to support and maybe support them and read their newsletters so that your news is a little bit more curated. And, and I mean, honestly, I love homeschooling. I think there's some really great smaller schools, charter schools, private schools, in my opinion, having your community right now be a little bit more local, whether it's smaller schools, um, smaller communities. I think that's really helpful because there, you know, there are places that feel a little safer for our families. And I think a lot of those are those smaller places, you know, whether it's a smaller little charter school or a hybrid school or whatever it is, I think giving our children is a little more freedom to grow in, in spaces that aren't as um, political. You know, some places are just, they are, they're more political in a way. And so they're, they're making our children aware of things that they don't necessarily need to be aware of. And so being, being aware of that and just helping your children have an innocent childhood. Like they don't need to know everything that is a hot topic right now. Their lives could be a little bit more innocent. And so what can you do to help their lives be a little bit more innocent and child-friendly and peaceful while you can? I think those are a couple of things just that have, have helped me or that I've been thinking about as I'm trying to navigate a world that, you know, some of the news is really bad. And I think it is important to do our best is turn away from it and turn towards scripture. One preacher that I really like, he said, if you are getting more news of the world, than you're spending time in the word, your discouragement is self-inflicted. And I thought that was so wise. <laughs> That's so good. And to be fair, it's super easy, right? You want to go on Instagram to check 
your sister's kids, I don't know, to check something and then like, bam, it's in your face. And then before you know it, you're doing the doomsday scroll, right? Or if you have a news app, which please delete on your phone, it just magically pops up. And I'm like, I don't know how you got on here. (laughs) And, uh, and for those moms who maybe can't do homeschool and can't do charter, then if you are in public school, then just get involved. Like I, my kids spent a season in public school and I probably annoyed the heck out of their TA, but I didn't really care. It's kind of my job and her job. And so I was like, Hey, let me get an update for the week. I wanted to, I went to school board meetings. I went to, you know, the office, they knew me and I wanted them to know my kids and I wanted to know what my kids were teaching. So get involved. But yes, I, in a very spoiled a little bit way have created a bubble. And since that we, li- we used to live near a big city. We used to be all up in all the things because we had to be. We were leadership in ministry. We were, I was doing um, uh, young life with kids in high school. So like I had to know all the things to keep up with them. And I, we're not that, that's not the season of life we're in. And so my kids don't know Jack Dilly Squat about 95% of what's happening in the world. <laughs> and I'm totally okay with it. You know, they, it's funny because they read the old Testament and like, that's horrific enough for them. They're like, did they just sacrifice this? What, you know, they're like mortified. And I'm like, Oh, my sweet children. I love you. Uh, (laughs) And you know, I, I just talked to a mom last week who does student ministry and, and she's also trying to do like a beautiful homeschool Charlotte Mason kind of a life. And I, one thing I told her, you know, the Benedictines, they had an open door policy. Someone could stay with them at any time. And same with Edith Schaefer. They had an open door policy. They had people of many different outlooks staying in their home with them, but they kept their routines going. And I think that's one thing that we need to think about is, you know, if you don't have a Christian culture in your home, it's going to be hard to pass it on to your children. And for yeah. sure, it's not going to like if you if every time someone comes over it interrupts the whole program, it's going to be hard. But if you have a little bit of like a rhythm where, yeah, we read the Bible together as a family, or then you can just invite those, those people into your home. Like you don't have to stop doing the ministry that you're doing, but just keep the rhythms that you're doing. So, and, and fold in, like if you're doing student ministry to have the Bible study or the worship night or whatever in your home, have your kids participate. Don't stop the rhythm that is good. We don't have to adapt ourselves to the culture. We can help the culture adapt to healthy rhythms that sustain peace and joy. Like there are some ways of life that are better for us that are, you know, it's like, we're not, we're, I'm a hundred percent a believer in the gospel. We are saved by the work of Jesus and not our own works, but there are also laws of sowing and reaping and, and ways of life. Like I believe, you know, the 10 commandments, for instance, I mean, it's for our good when people don't steal, then the prices of goods are, are cheaper. And then people get rewarded for their labor. There's, there are a lot of consequences when a culture turns aside from godly laws and godly basic norms of civility, but we don't have to participate in that just because it's normal. No, like most of culture, we do not have to participate because the new normal is awful friends <laughs> you see right, it right. Oh, well, i just man. read that lululemon fired who knows what the truth is but lululemon fired two employees for calling the police on shoplifters so this is the like upside down kind of world we're living in where where 
where crime pays. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean we have to engage in that just because the culture is going down this weird path right now. Okay, a little sidebar. I'm from California. So in California, in the Bay Area, we have a rule, a, a law, if you will, a rule. I don't know if it's an actual law, but it's a rule that the police will not be called unless they steal up to $1,000 worth of goods. So like right. new TV for sale, 900, just walk on out. Y'all stop. Right. We could go back and forth. Like I bet, you know, living in California, we could probably go back and forth for an hour talking about the crazy things that are happening. And the way like, um, you know, I read the book Atlas Shrugged. It's not a Christian book at all, but it just talks about the the damage to society when people do not live according to a basic norm of civility. Like, you know, the Bible says, work with your hands, mind your own business. Do you know what I mean? The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so, you know, there are some basic biblical laws that are for our good. Do you know what I mean? Because civilization trucks along pretty well when everybody's paying their own way. But yeah. when, when more people don't want to work than want to work and you're rewarded for not working, things get kind of bad. And I just read um, in San Francisco, they're closing or not necessarily closing, but two of the big tourist hotels right there in union square are closing or they are defaulting. The owners are defaulting because it's just unsustainable. So you see a, a modern city, basically going down the tubes. Like it used to be a beautiful tourist place and now people don't want to go there because of lawlessness. So you can see that there's crazy stuff happening, but that doesn't mean that we have to just adapt to the crazy. We can continue a biblical way of life and trust that God who promises to reward the righteous will honor us for our efforts. And and maybe not in this life, maybe it'll be in the next life. But what we are doing matters as Christian moms. It matters. What we are doing is very powerful. It's, it's you know, you look at the lives of, of like I said, Corey Tenboom, Edith Schaefer, um, St. Benedict, some of these people who were just being faithful to scripture and they changed the world. And I think as moms, we are doing that same thing, just being faithful to godly values and changing the world in the process. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the future world, we get to shape up tiny disciples, tiny world changers. And like, what an honor, what a gift. And so hard, so hard, so challenging, and yet so holy. And we have a responsibility to do it biblically. And so if that means shutting out the noise, if it means putting in a bubble, if it means creating order, inviting people to your home, like if it means dealing with past trauma and healing, like we get to do that work to change the world. I firmly a thousand percent agree with you that what the work that we're doing inside of our homes will change the world because we've seen what happens the opposite. And so, so good. You had like so many um, mic drops and just everything you said is like, I hope you friends that are watching are taking notes and you can replay and watch again, but so many practical things and you can pick and choose what works for you, what works for your family and your next. Yes. Not the entire list, just your next one. So good. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in the 1% improvement. You know, it doesn't have to be everything. It's just the small doable changes implemented over time become a really life transformative work. Yeah. So good. So Jennifer. Okay. So as we wrap this up, we're going to do two things. One of which can you please, you said so much goodness, but can you just speak directly to the mothers and give them a word of encouragement and hope and love? Yeah. 
you know, one of the things that I, I would definitely want to encourage is just the heart of why you do things. This is why, once again, you know, read Mothering by the Book, because I think when our heart with our children is to make ourselves look good or to parent them differently than our parents did, when we have sort of mixed motives, our kids can pick up on it and the result is not beautiful. And, and honestly, the result, unfortunately, there are movies being made or shows being made right now about those families who set out, I think, with good intentions, like wanting to have a godly family. And now shows are being made about the ways that they really, really hurt their kids. And so I think, you know, go through the steps in Mothering by the Book. Forgive your parents. Like, don't parent as a reaction to how you are parented because it does not produce good fruit. And, and I don't want shows to be made about us someday because we did it from the wrong motives. Like check your motives, check your heart, make sure that you're not parenting to try to make yourself look good or trying to force your children into some kind of mold, but, but do it out of love for the, for the Lord and out of a place of wholeness. So that would be a big thing is just, especially I think forgiveness is always a good place to start and then work on connection. Like we can have homes that have civility and still be connected to our children. Like we can have, you know, godly homes and it doesn't mean we have to ride over our children's emotions. We can be empathetic with them and loving to them, but also have some basic norms of civility in our home. And I think it partly just starts with us having that growth mindset ourselves. Like, are we getting up every day and brushing our teeth and putting clothes on? If we're not, can't expect our kids to. Do we sit down at the table and talk to our family at mealtimes or we sit down on our phones? If we don't do it, we can't expect our kids to. So however you behave, you know, even if you're not directly teaching these principles to your children, if you're living them and you're loving them, so if you're living the principles and loving your children, your children will follow your example. Yeah. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words, right? Yes. I love that. That was so good. Okay. So your incredible freebie that you have for the audience today, which friends, you need to go ahead and click the link below and download it today is the connection challenge. Jennifer, will you tell us about that briefly? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this tool because like I said, kids who don't feel loved by you will not listen to your instructions. They will not want to live like you. And so the connection challenge is just 10 days of ideas for connecting with your children and particularly the, the concept or the tool of looking your children in the eyes. It's so powerful for them to feel loved and seen and heard by you reading out loud together for a few minutes. Um, playing together and then some kind of physical touch, whether it's a hug or wrestling or tickling, whatever. So there are, there are just four things on the connection challenge. And then I'll send you over the course of 10 days, some prompts and ideas for connecting with your children. It's, it's one of the most important principles for raising adults, like children who are not well attached are not able to be mature and responsible adults. So it's a really important underlying task if we want to raise children who can make mature golly decisions which how easy you prompt us and do the work for us so thank you for that and friends if you are if you haven't already there's still opportunity but jennifer has graciously provided the peaceful life planner as part of the vip bundle so if you haven't purchased it head to the link below and purchase it now but jennifer tell us about the peaceful life planner yeah, the Peaceful Life Planner is one of my favorite tools. It's something I use every year to really evaluate, you know, what am I doing? What are 
the Jennifer Pepito rules? What are the reasons that I'm alive? Even one of the tools in there is writing your eulogy, like thinking about at the end of my life, what do I want to be known for? Do I want to be known for like an Instagram influencer or someone who really loved her family well? And when I have that figured out, then it's easy to make my days match up to my end of life goals. So the Peaceful Life Planner has a lot of really simple, like, what are my daily habits? What daily habits do I want to have? Or what do I want my life to look like in a few years or one year? What do I want my kids to say about our home? So some really good thoughtful questions for helping you develop a, your own family role, basically. That's amazing. So good. Okay. And where can we find you online so we can go and say hello and grab all the things? Yeah. So at the peacefulpress.shop, I have all of my homeschool resources. They are made for connection. They're made to really help you develop your children academically, but also develop them as thinking and loving people. So that's a great place. Also on Instagram at Jennifer Pepito. And then you can find more about my book at my um, motheringbythebook.com. So at motheringbythebook.com, you can get information on what I said was step number one, which is working through the tools in that book. So good. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you for the wisdom, the time, and just loving on these mamas. I so appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Samantha. I just really enjoyed visiting with you. And I'm excited for moms to get to visit with both of us through this conference. Yeah, so good. Thank you.